welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week, we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, news editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the Chancellor's Mansion House reforms and various other pension changes with Mark Ormston, Director of Propositions and Corporate Partnerships at Retirement Line, and Tim Orton, Chief Investment Officer at Adon. So welcome to you both, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Amy. So in his mentioned house speech earlier this month, the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt said some of the UK's largest defined contribution pension schemes had agreed to commit 5% of their default funds to unlisted equities by 2030. So this group kind of represents around, I think he's saying like two thirds of the UK's DC pensions market and that this agreement could then amass up to about £50 billion in investment into high-growth companies if the rest of the market follows. Um, At the moment, they currently invest less than 1% in unlisted companies. Um, And the kind of aim was to enable the UK's financial services sector to increase returns for pensioners, improve outcomes for investors, and unlock capital for UK growth businesses. So, Tim, maybe I thought we could start with you because I know that Aegon has committed and I think was one of the first providers to commit to the Mansion House Compact Agreement. So what kind of made Aegon do this and what did you think of the reforms? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Amy. And, uh, thanks for inviting me along to, to discuss this. Um, we, we were looking at private markets anyway. Um and have been doing so for a little while. Um, we are bought into the potential diversification benefits when we're looking at optimizing risk and return for our pension scheme members. Um, there are opportunities that are not available in stock markets from emerging industries and businesses um, that could potentially um, enhance returns. And also there's a there's a broader diversification angle as well to think about uh, in a lot of the markets these days, they tend to move together. Um, so you can actually potentially create a bit more diversification in portfolio with with some access to those sorts of wider investment types. So um, lots of reasons for us to be thinking about this. Um, net zero is another one. Um, we uh, are committed to net zero in our portfolios and some of those off-market opportunities are the sorts of things we think we'll need to think about um, in in achieving that over the medium term. So fantastic to be doing something that is um, supporting uh, wider economic benefit, wider economic growth, um, and want to participate in that um, as well. But really, the the core of this is around um, best member outcomes. um, And so the the initiative is is congruent with that from our perspective. And do you think, you know, there is quite a few names signed up at the moment as well. But do you think, you know, a lot of DC pension schemes will jump on board with this? Like, do you think? quite a lot of the market will actually follow through and do this. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you said, I think it was around about two thirds by weight of assets, um, typically the, the larger players like Aegon. Um, but um, what we identified is when, when there gets a groundswell um, of, uh, of the market, it does, it does bring along others um, as well. Um, and as sort of clarity around the sorts of opportunities grows, um, I would expect that others will get involved. And Mark, from an advisor's perspective, what did you kind of make of them? Did it come as a surprise or were you kind of expecting this? 
I think we were largely expecting this, to be honest. It was uh, sort of a bit of a matter of time. The breadcrumbs have been there for quite some time of how we want to unleash this DC power um, and invest it into uh, the UK economy. Um, I, I think it was really interesting there, listening to, to Tim. I was wondering, you know, Tim, you were saying there that you were, sorry, Amy, I'm going to take over your job here. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you were saying that you were looking at diversification for, for a little while. Um, and in particular these assets, I think it'd be really interesting to see of, um, you know, what your take on UK growth assets are, you know, how how do you sort of de define that? And and do you think currently there's enough in the way of sort of high quality unlisted investment opportunities there available right now? Or, or are we sort of in a bit of a holding pattern? Do we need to wait till sort of 2030? Is that more of a realistic time frame before we get to that 5%, I guess? So um, you took over the, the job very well there, Mark, with, with lots and lots of questions. So <laughs> let me see which ones I can can sort of try and unpack a little bit. Um, so do, 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 how do I define growth companies? I think it's a very broad phrase. Um, really what this is referring to is um, unlisted um, equities or, or businesses that are you know, not, on, not on some of our registered markets. Um, and, and what we've tended to see over time is there are various um, new new ventures that start up that require capital support. Um, they are um, we've seen them emerge across financial services sectors, um, ac across healthcare sectors, um, and there's there's also an increasing number and need actually for. Um, uh, in investment in areas around sort of renewable energy to to, to grow out um, the scale of what is required there for for net zero. So I think I think there always are opportunities out there. It does require sort of careful um, uh, analysis and thinking around the the nature of, of of those opportunities and how you build them into a portfolio. Um, but both in the UK and, and beyond. Um, you know there are. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a continuum of um, of, of uh, entrepreneurs with ideas to try and capture um, future you know future value from future opportunities. And I may or may not have answered all your questions, but no, no, uh, <laughs> I think I've got most of them. <laughs> no, it was, it was brilliant, Tim. I think I think you know what what occurred to me. You know when we start looking into this, and I, I tend to to agree with uh, everything you were saying there is uh, cost yep. uh, for, for some of these assets. So it's going to be really interesting to see if we can have the, the, the superpower of DC works both ways. So whether we can do something on, on the costings, and I think the government consultation itself um, was showing, actually, it worked out quite nicely at half, half the current costs uh, in their projections. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if that actually comes to fruition, really. Yeah, I think um, so. Scale matters, obviously, for, for for cost, as it does in in many in many forms of many industries, um, and um, yeah, to 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 achieve sort of economies through uh, these sorts of investments, just like any other investment, um, scale is important. So I think that's probably why the big you've seen the big players come first um, and probably furthest ahead in in thinking about this. Typically. Um, there are naturally there are uh, increased costs in managing anything more actively than a than a pure passive 
portfolio and the DC market has been dominated by passive investing for some time now. So what we were um, uh, very interested in, very supportive of was the some of the, the work around the value for money framework that um, is also under consultation um, where there's a recognition around um, promoting the the need to optimize value, um, not just minimize cost, um, because without some uh, some room for uh, people to choose investments that have um, slightly higher running costs on average, um, there will always be that pullback without that towards purely passive investing, which um, limits then um, what you can actually include in portfolios. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. And the biggest shock of this podcast might be that I'm, I'm quite a young person. So therefore, I, I need that sort of uh, risk taking, you know, very happy for me to uh, to be involved in that because, you know, I've got the time to obviously see that through. Um, and I'm not in the default fund either. And of course, that's what these are these are getting at the moment is, is the default funds. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting. I think I've seen articles um, over the weekend that basically says, so if you don't want this, pay more attention to your pension um which is a really interesting angle to go down but i'm gonna get told off by amy i'm gonna run this podcast amy sorry i'm gonna let you jump in <laughs> you're absolutely fine <laughs> you're used to the experts after all <laughs> um but i did want to you know you were talking about costs and stuff there were people kind of coming out and saying that there could be like potential risks to this like you know channeling pension money into higher risk assets um, Mark, maybe we could start with you about, you know, what are the risks that kind of come with this? Because I guess with anything, there's always good and bad. Yeah, very wise to come to me. You know that I won't have follow-up questions that way, Amy. Well done. Um, <laughs> I think I think from my point of view, it's just making sure that people understand the risks. And I, and I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, to be honest, because I don't know how many people in the default funds are looking at those wonderful pie slices that say this is how much is in equities and this much is in overseas investments anyway. But uh, it is important that people understand where their pensions are invested. And we're seeing that more in regards to, say, the net zero uh, and make my money matter. You know, we're getting a lot of traction in that. So people really need to understand actually where their pension money is being invested. And uh, the risks aren't just um, like what we were saying before about in regards to returns and these companies potentially going out of business. It's in regards to where it's invested and if it's going into arms and all these sorts of sides of things that people are making conscious decisions to move away from. Um, but if we don't communicate that effectively, then people could be very upset. So traditionally, that happens when they engage with their pension, which is pension access time, and it's uh, too little too late. Yeah. And Tim, what kind of what would you say? Because I think I think, you know, when this came on the news, you know, last week, you know, the people, the average Joe down the street, I've gone, they're doing what with my pension? You know, I think sometimes people just go because they can't maybe don't understand or don't have all the information in front of them. There's like that sense of panic because I think the word pension already slopes fear into people. So what would you say to kind of. Them? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, you, you can see how it could uh, be read as someone's taking my pension money to do something with it. But um, obviously, this is all in the bounds of highly regulated um, products, um, typically with uh, independent trustees um, and others overseeing that things are managed appropriately and, and safely and in members' interest. So the, the, the whole industry safeguards are all still there um, around all of this, of course, which is, which is important. Um, in terms of the, um, sort of, if you like, 
financial risk or monetary risk of, of returns. Clearly, if you were to invest in one particular uh, specific initiative um, and it and it didn't work and, and um, you know, any, any sort of capital that was invested in it just sort of disappeared and, and lost value, that would be very high risk from, from a return point of view to um, a pension investor. Um, this initiative gets to at least 5%. So 5% is, is a, a noticeable but, you know, modest portion of an overall fund return. And of course, for large businesses um, like ourselves, we'd be we'd be sort of thinking about not necessarily just one single um, infrastructure project or something, but actually, how do you create a portfolio? So you might have um, uh, the ability to spread some of that risk across different initiatives, even within that kind of five percent share. So I think there's ways and means of of looking at that and and trying to establish um, access, but without it having that kind of extreme of risk. Um, I think the final point, just pick up on on, on Mark's um, point about, I think mentioned arms. I think one of the ways of, of or, or interesting things for engaging people in their pensions is around the underlying um, sort of companies and, and, and projects that you, you, you may invest in. Um, and of course, going off market gives you that opportunity to be a little bit more thematic and, and maybe select certain types of project that have got certain outcomes in mind. Again, I always go back to sort of our net zero pledges and you know renewable infrastructure and energy and those sorts of things that that you know maybe appeal to um, uh, people, uh, average pension scheme members, and may even uh, make them a bit more engaged in their pension, which is a goal that we all um, aspire to. And if 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 I may, I, I think what's what's interesting about about those comments, Tim, and I, I agree again, would be, although it's a small slice, you know, we're saying 5%, the messaging that went out was, well, this 5% is going to get you an extra £1,000, will will get you an extra £1,000 a year in your retirement. So, you know, we, we can you know, take that take that as, with a pinch of salt or, or as we may. I know that I don't, or will not get away with saying that on, on, on social media or anything else. But I, I think it'd be really interesting. Maybe it shows the the power of investing, and again, you know, that how worthwhile it is to pay attention to to your pension. And we're talking about five percent slice, but it can make a difference of thousands of pounds throughout retirement. So that engagement can be really worthwhile. Sure, and kind of looking at the you know the political landscape behind this, you know, we could in the next general election, have a change of government. Um, do you think the Labour will stick to these plans if they were to get into power? And, you know, could we see more focus on pensions? Because uh, I would, I think it's fair to say that they have kind of been left alone for a little while until, you know, like the spring budget that we've just had. Could the, you know, this autumn, the autumn statement that might be on the way in a couple, it will come around sooner than we think in November-ish time. Um, do you think you know there is going to be more focus on pensions now, um, Tim? Maybe we can start with you. Yeah, so I think I think the the, the positive here is the um, the focus on you know, that pensions are important. It's a big industry of ours um, in the UK and really important to society. Um, we know that uh, you know government's borrowing is is higher than it has been post COVID, um, and the reality is that. There's a real importance of the pensions industry to 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 provide and sustain 
you know most of society um, as they as they sort of age towards retirement. So um, important that it's there. I think politically important that it that it will be thriving for whoever is in power. Um, wouldn't want to be predicting on um, future policy of, of different governments, but I do believe as part of the the, the Mansion House um, work that the Lord Mayor of City of London did um, state that the that there was cross party support to um, that initiative. So that would infer that there would be no sort of radical shift, no matter who was who is in power, which would be good because I think one of the things that can hurt can hurt us is is when there's sort of chopping and changing too much so if there's a groundswell of consensus towards these sorts of initiatives then um, hopefully we can make progress yeah i don't know if you had anything to add to that mark no no i agree and i, I think um rachel reeves already sort of floated some suggestions in and around the sort of 50 billion figure previously anyway so that that should give some confidence that that that's here to stay. I, I think the one that may be slightly different is uh, away from DC. It might be more in the DB space, actually. And that'll be really important to see what comes out in that autumn statement. Like you say, Amy, that's that'll fly by. That'll be here before we know it. So um, I think I think that's the area to watch, actually, where we might have some changes, just like um, when LTA was, was abolished. In essence, Labour almost came out immediately and said, well, we're going to change that if we get into power. So that consistency is really, really key, as Tim was saying. But I think on the DC front, we can be pretty uh, pretty sure that we're on safe ground. Sure. And just quickly to kind of finish us off, you know, last week was a bit of craziness in the pensions world. You know, it had been quiet for a little bit and then it was like, here, have everything all at once. <laughs> and there was the news that, you know, the small pots issue that they kind of wanted to tackle it through consolidation rather than through the pot follows member approach. Um, Tim, is this kind of a method that you think is better or I think small pots is so difficult to know what to do that will we ever get there basically? Yeah, th there's a, a, a lot of practical considerations to sort of go through in the, the, the consultation. Um, I think anything that makes it easier for a uh, scheme member to, who may have, also a retiree who, who who may have had a variety of different pensions over the course of their life is 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 a sort of a, a laudable aim. It's the right it's the right thing to um, try to do so that they can um, understand their finances more easily and better, and and therefore self manage their their own retirement much better. So, the the base concept and and the um, the aims of actually trying to make that more straightforward for people absolutely um, important. Um, a lot of practicalities to work through um, in terms of actually how you would how you would put this in practice, um, and um, yeah, the experience that a scheme member would go through at different stages when they move between employers. I think we've got a lot to work through there. Yeah, definitely. And it seems that, you know, everything that kind of slots together, like the pension dashboards would help small pots and it's all being pushed back yeah. and it's all getting at different yeah. timings. I think it's so confusing. Yeah. And, and the practicalities, I think um, Mark referred to some of the, the numbers that we heard recently and how within sort of regulated um, uh, sort of uh, disclosures, how tight they have to be, you could, you could imagine in this sort of scenario with small pots, if you're moving between different schemes, what, what do you have to understand about any of the different features between those schemes, which may not be the obvious headlines, but you know there can be some quite subtle complexities 
Um, so you can imagine that's 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 quite tricky to work through to make sure that that's fully understood when people are making choices. Yeah. And Mark, do you kind of see lots of small pots and different pots coming through? And is it, you know, I guess it could be quite a, a struggle dealing with lots of different providers on your end. It definitely can be. And you get different levels of service, different options, um, different terminology. And I think there's, ten, there's tens of thousands. I think last time I listed 40,000 schemes in the UK, different schemes in the UK. So it's an enormous number. And we're going to see some natural consolidation in, in saving in the master trust market. Um, there were some, some announced today. Um, but what I'm really pleased to see is actually we're just thinking about those people. We're using the word default, but the people who are actually pensions happening to them, these people that are changing jobs quite early in their career, they need a solution really they sort of the people i'm speaking to saying well why why doesn't it just happen automatically so i think we're, we're definitely along the right the right tracks it's up to people uh, on this call and listen to this podcast to to think about the mechanisms they're not too bothered about that side of things that's for us to figure out but they they certainly like the uh, the practicalities of, of what it's trying to do uh, all i would say is that i think the current banding was classified as about a thousand pounds or lower um, so or maybe that's phase one, and actually that that moves in time a bit like dashboards. We're going to have different phases when that goes live. I think we have to do the same here with the small pots. And as for you know all the consultations that that were released, um, I'm definitely not recovered yet. But it didn't remind me very much of myself at the dessert bar. I did want all the sprinkles, all the flakes, and two different types of desserts, if not three. So it was um, really pleasing to see it all actually come out. Bit of a, bit of a time frame there, but it was very much had members at the heart and outcomes at the heart of them and there was a bit of joined up thinking between them all so I was, I was actually encouraged to see them all come out yeah well hopefully now we'll have summer to digest it all while everyone goes on their holidays and then come back fresh with god knows what else coming out <laughs> so I have to we'll, see. we'll read lots of consultations on our holidays can't we <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. that's what we've got to look forward to well tim mark thank you so much for joining us this week Tune in next week where we will discuss other goings on in the industry.